What up, what up? Welcome to Pull Up a Seat. I'm John Serenitas. I'm joined by my compadre, Matt Feld. Matt, what's going on? What's going on? The weather's beautiful. I'm actually in a good mood for once because of it. I think everyone's mood gets better when the weather is good. Uh, you know, my, you know, you could get fired, and if the weather's good, it's all set. And the weather, the weather is lovely. It's 80 degrees. It's still warm out, even though it's 7:30 or 7:40 when we're recording this. We could have another nice day tomorrow. Two nice days in a row in this state. I mean, God, that's just like a, a Christmas without any snow to worry about. I mean, this is just marvelous. It, it, it really is, you know, and I looked at the 10 day, we might have a four day stretch oh. at the end of this week going into next week. And we'll be a little bit on the cool side, but we might have a four day stretch when it's actually sunny and nice out. Unparalleled. Unparalleled. It is unparalleled, you. particularly around here. I mean, let's face it. We get about four good weather months a year up here. It used to be five, but May sucks ass now. So May doesn't count. Now, I'm going to be a gentleman here, and I'm going to let you go first. What's your icebreaker for this week? Well, I told you earlier, as we were preparing for this, I have just a jilling thoughts. I have so many thoughts. I was struggling to pick one, um, you know. But I'm actually, I, you know, I'm going to go with the golf yesterday. I'm going to go with the Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, uh, you know. Was it yesterday, two days ago? I've lost track of the days. Two the days Tiger, ago. Two, two days, days ago. ago. The Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Brady Manning ordeal. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not a golf person. Like, Tiger Woods Neither am I. at the Masters, I'll tell you something. I'll watch Tiger on Sunday at the Masters just because of the history there and the story and the whole thing. I'll watch it. All right. Overall, not a big golf person. Um, but I will say, I watched a little bit of it. Um, I didn't think I was going to like it. I was, it was solid. It was very entertaining. I think Peyton Manning is hysterical. Um, I think he's great. Uh, I don't have a lot of time for Tom Brady's like fake act, which I think I've I've just gotten sick of the whole per the fake personality. Yeah, I, I don't like this version of Tom Brady at all. I, yeah, the last it's few years. It's annoying me, but overall, I'm not gonna lie. I was pretty impressed. Considering we've got no sports, I was happy with the product. Um, I it's for a good cause. Uh, I you know anyone who's seen the Chris Mad Dog Russo rant, it, that is like epic on the whole thing. Uh, you know, how he tells us, if, if, if you want Brady and Manning to do something productive, go on the NFL Network and say, seam left, seam right. Like that is, that's an all-timer. But overall, look, I was pretty happy with it. Um, and like I said, I think Manning's hilarious. And, and it was a pretty cool thing. So overall, that's my icebreaker. I was happy that there were some sports on. And, and it was cool to see some of the game's bigger faces in the NFL and in golf uh, playing. Yeah, I my opinion on this is along the same lines as Chris Russo's from Friday. I didn't watch it. I had no interest in it. I didn't intend on watching it. I think it's great what they did in raising the amount of money that they raised. But I'm not a golf guy. I don't watch it. Don't play it. I wouldn't watch Tiger on Sunday at the Masters. And that's not because I'm a contrarian and I'm trying to be indifferent. It's just not my thing. It never has been. However, that being said, I can understand why people like it and why they're into it. Look, you mentioned Peyton Manning. Yeah, I think he's pretty funny. Uh, I've grown to like him a lot more since he was. I agree. Post career, he's been. I've been. I've been pleased with his personality. I think he's pretty cool. It seems like. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I didn't hate him as a player, even though yeah. he had the Patriots number a few times. I didn't hate him as a player. Uh, I didn't like him. I didn't openly root for him, but I certainly didn't despise him or anything. But. I've grown to like him now since he's retired. Uh, the Peyton's Play stuff he was doing with the ESPN, that was all really good stuff. As I mentioned earlier with Tom Brady, I'm tired of his shtick. I'm tired of the act. We all know why. Look, I'm sure he would love to win his seventh Super Bowl. 
but we all know why he's continuing to play. He wants to prove that his methodology, his philosophy, the TB12 way works. If he can play until 45, he can prove to people that, hey, you should believe in the way I train. You should believe in our products. You should believe in what we do, because if you do, you can be like me. So I think a lot of what he's doing at this point in his career, it's about him. It's about selling himself. It's about selling his brand. And, and it sucks because what we loved about Tom Brady around here was the fact that this was a kid from humble beginnings who worked hard, who had an edge to him, who was a, a winner, who knew how to win. And he put all of that together and became the greatest quarterback of all time. Now, he just strikes me as a marketeer and, and a guy who's just shilling products. And I have no time for that. You know, and I'm not saying it because he's left New England and I'm bitter. I, I just I didn't like his act here the last two years. So I can do without his nonsense. Well, what I what I'll say really quickly is, uh, you know, I'm so I do love it though because to me, you know, a little chicken come home to roost for these Patriots fans who for years ripped on Peyton Manning for all the commercials he used to do. And yeah, Tom's all just about playing football. And there's Peyton on the Papa Gino's commercial. <laughs> you can shove that, okay? Because Brady now is past Manning fivefold, and I think you would agree when it comes to commercializing his, you know, magical nuts that he has to eat. All right. So I've had enough. I've had enough. The fake pink hats. All right. For years. Yeah. Payne doesn't care about winning football games. That's why Brady's got his number in the cold. Bull crap. That's all. <laughs> well, no, and, and listen, that that's a valid point and a valid argument. And, and look, I agree with you. I think Patriots fans thought, well, Brady's different and that's why he wins and Manning doesn't. The end of the day, they're all the same. Okay, it's not just about performing on the field and making money to play the sport. It's about how much money you can make off the field or off the court or off the ice, and that's all about marketing. And Brady's no dummy. Let's not forget, this isn't something new with Brady. Brady, Brady was a media darling. He was he was an advertising darling too. I mean, he did the Uggs commercials. He did the the bed commercial there a few years ago. He was doing commercials too. It's just that. People up here are, are naive. Yeah, they're immune and, and to it. They think that their athletes don't do those things because they're playing in Boston. Well, I got news for you. They do. All right, here's my icebreaker. I'm going to make it quick because we spent the first five minutes on the show babbling <laughs> about Brady. Mine is about Marty, the one-man party boss, <laughs> who admitted on Friday that crime is up in the city, and he thinks it might be due to the fact that some people have been released from our jails and prisons Due to COVID-19. Gee, really? You think that that's what it might be? No. Your own police commissioner, you dolt, was telling you that it was a bad idea. Your own police union was telling you it was a bad idea. Your, your, your constituents were telling you it was a bad idea. People in your own office were telling you that. But no, you and Chuck Baker, the policymaker, had to make sure that we protect that population as well. So let's get them out of jail. Let's let some of them out of prison. Let them back into society so they don't get COVID-19. Listen, you reap what you sow. And at the end of the day, if you're going to allow people to, to a, a get out of jail card because of COVID-19, when they go on, they commit a crime. Guess what? We told you so. OK, it's not a surprise. The only person that's surprised here is you and Baker. Those are the only people in Massachusetts that are surprised that some of these turds are committing crimes once they've been released from jail. So guess what? I got an idea. How about you put them back in jail? And you know what? This is going to sound heartless and cold, but it's not about them getting COVID-19. It's about the people that aren't in jail not getting COVID-19 
and it's about protecting the citizenry at large from some of these scumbags that they're putting back on the streets because they don't want them to get sick. So, hey, welcome to the party, Marty. You're a, a bit late, but now you see what the rest of us have been saying when it comes to this idea of letting people out of jail so they don't get sick. All right. Now, we're going to move forward here. We're going to talk some politics. I want to get your thoughts on this whole Joe Biden, Charlemagne the God exchange that took place at the end of the last week. Everybody and their mother knows about it. Of course, Biden was being interviewed by Charlemagne the God from, I forget what it's called, the, the breakfast show, whatever the hell they call their show. I don't listen to it. So I don't know. Um, but he was being interviewed by him. And at the tail end of the interview, Biden decides that it's a good idea to tell the world that if you're thinking about a choice between him or Trump, well, then you ain't. Not a, you're not. You ain't black. So let me get your thoughts on this, because I've got a lot of opinions on this. Yes, I know you do. So there's a couple of things I have. Number one, I think this was a true, and again, there's been a lot of missteps along the way from Biden that make you think that he's truly losing a little bit of his edge because of his age. I honestly don't think this is what it was. This was a pure gaffe. The interview was over. He was done asking questions. He was signing off. And that was his final sentence. It was totally unprovoked. To me, this was a pure on total clueless misstep by Biden. He thought he was going to be funny. And he made a terrible mistake. He made a terrible error. Now, it rightfully went everywhere. And you and I are going to disagree on this. Do I think it could matter with young African-American voters? Yes, I think it could. Overall, do I think it will? No, I do not in the end. We're so far away from the election. We're not. We're still eight months away or seven months away. Whatever. We're far away. However, everybody else. And, and um, there's just so much other news that's going to come out. I mean, crap. People forget that Trump was impeached like six weeks ago. Um, and so I, I just think to me in the end, this won't matter. People, a couple of younger African-Americans might not vote. They're not going to vote for Trump, but you're right. They might not vote in the end. Um, but overall, I think this was just a brutal mistake. He had to apologize for it with black business leaders later in the day, which he did. Um, but yeah, no, it was, a, it was bad all around. It was a total flub of epic proportions. Um, but I think he's just so strong with the black community. His relationship is so strong. But I don't think it's going to matter in the end. But we'll have to see. See, I think this is proof. This weekend in general was proof that we have to pick between two idiots come November. Yeah. One idiot that won't shut his mouth on Twitter and another idiot who has early onset dementia and takes and, and just assumes that I'm going to get the black vote. So I'm going to try to connect with this young black guy by making a stupid comment. Look, I think that Biden is 50 cents short of a dollar here. But the reality is, you can't tell me that in his mind, he doesn't already know that he's going to get the majority of the black vote come November. He knows that. His party knows that. And that's why he said what he said. And he said it because he figures, well, this is my way of being cool and connecting with this young, hip black man by making a stupid ass comment like that. This was his deplorables moment. This was his Mike Dukakis in the tank moment. Will it cost him the election? No, I agree with you. Will it cost him some, some young black voters? Absolutely. It absolutely will. One thing that I think white America takes for granted when it comes to African Americans is they are a proud group of people. They are culturally proud. And when you say something like that, you're going to rub some of them the wrong way. And I don't blame them. If I were an African American, I would feel the same way. I thought it was stupid. I, I'm not going to dismiss it simply as, oh, poor Joe Biden, poor pre-dementia Joe Biden had a gap. No, he knew exactly what he was saying, 
and exactly what he was doing. It's one of the few moments in this entire ordeal where he's been recorded from his basement every time he talks. It was one of the few moments, in my opinion, where I think he knew exactly what he was saying. He was trying to pander to this guy, and it blew up in his face. Now, I agree. I don't think it's going to affect him with, with older blacks, but I think with younger African-Americans, it absolutely will. Now, they're not going to go to Trump. They're just simply not going to vote. Yeah, definitely could see I that happening. It's going to happen. Yeah, so... Look, it was this deplorable moment. Is he going to pay for it ultimately like Hillary Clinton did? Probably not, because I think the media is so left-leaning today that they'll do some damage control. They'll spin this as Uncle Joe had a gaffe, even though he's had a million of them. See, here's the thing. When Trump says something stupid, it's expected. That's who Trump is. We all know Trump is stupid. But when Joe Biden says something stupid, maybe we should start to view him the same way we view Trump. That he's a loose cannon with loose lips and he says stupid crap and we can't just cut him a break because he's old and he's losing his fastball a little bit or he's the he's he's Uncle Joe. It, it's just it's just the way Joe is. No, 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 no. We, we, we can't listen. There can't be a double standard here. We got to play by the same rules. And at the end of the day, and believe me, we're going to talk about this next. Trump decided to Trump Biden after that instead of sitting back and saying nothing. At the end of the day, I think he should be held more accountable than he has been. The fact that so many Democrats and so many members of the African-American community were coming out over the weekend and trying to defend him, I think is repulsive to me. And it speaks of what the problem is here, is that the Democratic Party knows that hell or high water, they're going to get the African-American yes, vote. No matter what they say or do, they're still going to vote for him. And that's sad, in my opinion. Now, I mentioned Trump, right? You would think. After that gaffe, Trump would lay low over the weekend, right? Don't say anything. Stay off Twitter. You, know, you get off the grid. Maybe, you know, go play your golf. Whatever. That's what you enjoy doing. Go down to bar Lago and play a quick nine or a quick 18. But just don't go on Twitter. Don't say anything. Let Joe Biden self-destruct for a little bit. Let people question his candidacy. No. Instead, he comes out over the weekend and tweets out that Joe Scarborough murdered somebody what are we doing here? <laughs> what are we doing here? Please explain this to me. Yeah, I don't know. Is he just bored? Like, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the real question is, you know, why is no one ever taking his phone away? I mean, that's what I can't understand. Right. He's got to shut off the internet in the White House, okay? In the residence, all right? I don't know who's got to do it, but someone's got to do it. I don't know if it's Kellyanne Conway, uh, Kaylee McEnany. Someone's got to do it, all right? Get, take him off the phone. Throw that thing away. And again, this has nothing to do with the election. Like, what are you even going off Joe Scarborough for? Like, I don't understand. You should honestly be thanking Joe Scarborough for the fact that he had him on your show like 750 times in the beginning of the primary five years ago or four years ago. So you got free media coverage before he turned on you. So you know what? I've had enough of it. And I don't know what's going on. It's not about the pandemic. It's not about the election. This just seems like a bunch of bullcrap, if you ask me. So you know what? I don't know what he's doing. I think he's an idiot. I think he's a dope. I, I, it blew me away. I'm like, Joe Biden just gave you an alley-oop. All you got to do is go up and flush it. Your focus should be on the fact that he thinks that blacks are going to vote for him because he's a Democrat and because it's the expectation. You had a golden opportunity to rally your party and say, see, we are the party that's led to the lowest black unemployment in the history of this country prior to the pandemic. We are the party that has done this, this, and that for African-Americans. No, why would you do that? Instead of trying to prove 
to people that may be on the fence about voting, particularly minorities, or are leaning Biden, instead of trying to get them on your side, you decide to tweet out something about Joe freaking Scarborough. <laughs> Who cares about Joe Scarborough? Right. <laughs> Who cares about his wife, Mika Brzezinski? Also, like, he didn't do it. So, like, enough with the conspiracy theories. The right. wife, you know, the person right. has come out and, like, is desperately apologizing to stop talking about it. Like, enough. <laughs> like, it's like... It's just, it's like, he just doesn't get it. And, and, and it makes you wonder, does he just think that this thing's in the bag? Is he so arrogant that he thinks he's going to win re-election so it doesn't matter what he does or says? I, I, I don't I don't understand. Well, it, it. can't be that, I don't. I don't think, because there have been numerous stories that have come out that said, you know, his advisors and his pollsters have told him that right now it's probably a tie if he's not losing by a couple points in a lot of key states. So it can't be that. Or maybe he's in just in denial. He could be in denial. You could be right. Like, total denial. I'm Trump. I've never lost. Like, I don't know, folks. That's just the way it is. And oh, by the way, if you're not careful, I'll go on Twitter and I'll accuse you of murder as well. So you better watch it, okay, folks? <laughs> you better, you better step, folks. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just I, I can't. It's, ag- it's agonizing. It's really. Disgusting. What has happened to the? What has happened to? Politics we have no leadership. Remember, we have no leadership. No zero. Well, that but. That's partly a societal issue. We don't develop leadership anymore, particularly with younger people today. We don't put them in pressure situations when they're young. We don't place expectations on them. All we do is make excuses for them, and we cater to them, and we worry about their goddamn feelings instead of saying, you know what? The world is a rough and tumble place, and we need you to be thick-skinned if you want to enter this world and have any level of success. And we don't place expectations on our we young We don't have people. expectations on and anyone. Like our young people, no. our leaders, our politicians, it doesn't no. matter. We got no expectations but, but, for anybody. <laughs> but, but that's my point. My point is we're failing younger generations because we're not developing leaders that can rise above this bullshit. That's the problem. What happened to the good old days in the 1980s when the Republicans and Democrats didn't see eye to eye on something? Ronald Reagan sat down, had a glass of whiskey with Tip O'Neill, and they figured it out. Those were the good old days. They figured it out behind closed doors. Can't do that today because you've got one guy who's 50% gone trying to relate to Charlemagne the God by by dropping an eight, okay? And then you got another guy who just randomly tweets out that an MSNBC host killed someone. All right, enough of that. Let's talk some sports here. You ready? I'm prepared. <laughs> you sound like you're prepared. All right, so obviously the NHL announced earlier today that they are indeed coming back. Gary Bettman, who, by the way, I think is a total dolt, and I think is the worst commissioner in sports. I just wanted to get that out of the way right now. Not even close. He, he, you're right. People think it's Roger Goodell. I think he's worse. But anyway, the NHL announced today that they're going to be doing a 2014 playoff format that I think eventually is going to morph into the Stanley Cup playoffs. I don't know. I can't follow it. I'm a Montreal Canadiens fan, and I'm trying to figure out why the hell the Habs are in the playoffs. They were awful this year. They have no business in the playoffs. They're probably going to get swept in three by the Pittsburgh Penguins. But in any event, the NHL has announced a plan that they're coming back today. So first things first, I want to get your thoughts on that. But I also want to get your thoughts on what's going on right now with Major League Baseball because it is not good in terms of what's going on between the owners and the players. The owners are asking the players to take a pay cut. The players are pushing back. They want TV revenue money. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on there. And it doesn't appear like either side is budging enough 
that there's going to be some kind of a resolution there. So let's start with the NHL. Give me your thoughts on that. And I want you to tell me where you see baseball going and whether or not this thing gets resolved. Yeah, so the thing with hockey is I'm sick and tired of seeing people complain about the playoff format, the 24 teams. And I agree with you. A lot of it doesn't make sense to me. I'm all with you on that. The thing that really gets to me, though, is you can't be antsy for sports to return and then be pissed off when there's a plan to announce the return. I mean, it's really <laughs> right. ridiculous. We should be happy if they're playing dressed up as the my pillow guy on skates. <laughs> so that's the my pillow. Right. So that's what gets me. Again, do I love everything about it? No, but I'm not going to complain about it because we're going to have sports, hopefully, as long as public safety and public health, you know, can able to be uh, managed in a way where it's all good to play games. So I'm all for it. I don't care if they put everyone in the playoffs. I don't care if they put me in the playoffs. I don't care if they put the guy that I'm walking, watching, wearing a hat with shorts that are like trimmed too high and they put him on the ice. Put someone on the ice and I'm all for it. In terms of In terms of the baseball thing, you're right. It's a huge week. And the owners and the Players Association are locked in this bitter fight over money, of course, because that's what every fight's about. And uh, the players are being asked to take not just a pay cut on the fact that they'll be playing half their season, but a further pay cut due to the fact that there's going to be a loss in ticket revenue, concession stands. So they, the owners want a revenue share from the TV deals. The players, of course, do not. They want all the money. And the plan was released yesterday as it pertains to the deal that the owners were proposing to the Players Association, where the players that were making the most money would t- face the deepest uh, drop in pay where players making the least money would still see a drop in pay, but much smaller. So for example, Mike Trout was supposed to make $35 million this year. He's only going to get paid 17 and a half million as it is because they're playing half the season. And then he's going to take a further reduction because of the revenue share. And he would end up making a half. Some players, if you make $250,000 a year, which in baseball is nothing in the real world, it's a lot of money. You could end up making 220, 210. And that's a pretty significant drop. Now the problem out on $20 million, and they're the most influential players in the union, of course. Mike Trout, Mookie Betts are the faces of the game. And so they're kind of holding up the collective bargaining and negotiating. So in the end, do I think they'll find a way? I think both sides realize if there's no season this year, it's a disaster for everyone involved. So I think they're going to figure out a way. But I think that, you know, other sports are starting to get up and running. They're finding ways to play games, and they're haggling over money. Well, I agree with you wholeheartedly. They need to figure this out because if they don't, it is a brutally bad look for Major League Baseball. And remember now, Major League Baseball is already struggling to connect with with African-Americans and the game is boring and the pace of play is is boring and, and, and the game is becoming more and more unappealing to the average sports fan. So the game has a lot of problems that they're dealing with right now. If for whatever reason this doesn't get resolved, and they don't get back to playing baseball, I'm not going to go as far as saying this would be a death deal for the game, but it would be a huge blow. As it is right now, this is a PR nightmare for Rob Manfred and those involved in the game. Because you've got 40 million people in this country right now that are unemployed, and you're squabbling over money? You've got billionaires squabbling with millionaires over money. Shut the hell up. Figure it out. Get back to spring training. And get back to playing some semblance of baseball. People in this country are dying for sports. They need a distraction from COVID. Give it to them. I just, for the life of me, don't understand why they can't figure it out. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. (coughs) Excuse me. I'm choking. I'm so fired. It's all right. It's all right. We're all fired up here. And I agree. Look, if there was no 
disaster. I mean, if the three other sports are playing and baseball's already teetering, like you mentioned, um, you know, or alluded to, you know, <laughs> there's no if there's no season, you know, it's just such a bad look for the sport in so many different ways. Um, and so they got to find a way to make it work. They just have to find a way to get players on the field as long as it's safe, like I said. Um, and there has to be baseball one way or the other. You know, the players have a the Players Association in baseball is the most powerful union in the world by far. They have a ton of rights. Um, they've got a ton of power. Uh, they have a ton of control. That's why they have so many guaranteed, con- you know, that's why the guaranteed money is so absurd. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I would, I would have to say that at the end of the day, they'll make it work. They'll figure it out. But it's just, you know, the, the, the playing out in public is just a crapshoot. Yeah, it's a bad look for them. And it's a sport right now that cannot afford to look bad. They've got enough problems, as I said earlier, with connecting with fans and pace and play. And now this happens, not a good look. Now, it's interesting because there was a report that came out earlier today that several owners around the league believe that not only will there be fans in the stands in the NFL this fall, but that they're going to play their full schedule. Do you buy that? Do you believe that the NFL is going to play a full schedule and there's going to be fans in the stands? I have a hard time believing it. Now, are we saying is the preseason count as the full schedule? It does, but nobody gives a shit about preseason games. So, so no, sure. so we no. could throw them in there for conversation's sake. So I think it's going to be cut in half. I just can't see it happening. Um, yeah, I agree. Or they might get rid of it altogether. Yes. Um, so I think that's just about toast. Uh, I think, could I see the season getting off and running at, on time? I could. I don't see fans in the stands at the start. I think throughout the season, maybe other stadiums have allowed five to 10,000 fans scattered throughout the stadium. I mean, I suppose so. I think one thing the NFL is going for it is, of course, they want fans, but also they've got the finances to, to kind of make up for it um, and kind of, uh, you know, cover their losses, so to speak, compared to the other sports from sponsorships to all these deals they have, um, you know, down, down the line with sports brands and, you know, freaking beer companies. TV deal is so lucrative that they can make up for one season with minimal fans where the other sports will certainly face a more serious financial crisis from it. So I think the game, I think the season will start on time. If you ask me today, again, hopefully we don't get the fabled second wave because then everything's doomed. But if I expect it to start on time, <laughs> I'm expecting no fans in the stands and I'm expecting no preseason football. Well, I found it interesting because if you're this owner or these owners that are saying this, then there's one of two things going on here. Either these owners have so much power and pull politically that they can make this happen, play a full schedule with fans in the stands, or they're delusional. Right now, I'm going to go with they're delusional. Do I see a scenario where they play a full schedule with no fans? Yes, absolutely. Especially if the numbers start to go up again come August and September, you start to see more cases nationwide. I could also see a scenario where maybe they play at half capacity and maybe what they'll tell season ticket holders is, look, here's the deal. Pick four games. You can go to those four games, but you're not going to all eight regular season games. Okay. And once they get to half capacity in those four games, then they tell other season ticket holders, well, you get to go to these four games and you that are going to those first four games aren't going to those games. I could see a scenario where, you're playing in front of maybe 20,000 people, maybe even 40,000 people. But I don't see it being more than that. And here's the other thing. You're going to also have to take some preventative measures here, right? They're going to have to check people's temperature as they enter the stadium. They're going to have to make sure that 
they, you know, there's social distancing. They're going to have to take precautions with concessions. There's so much to this. There's so many layers that it's not as easy as people think it is. And so, yeah, it's great that, that these owners believe that there's going to be football this fall and it's going to be played in front of fans. But I think it's wishful thinking right now. We have a long way to go before that happens, especially in the year 2020. I've maintained all along, Matt, I don't think there's going to be uh, audiences for sporting events. I don't think there's going to be audiences for shows, concerts. I think that's all gone in the year 2020. But- I think you're looking at next year. Before all that happens. And also, like, can we get the kids back into school first before we get them into the NFL stadiums? Like, <laughs> Right. Let's prioritize here. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, by the way. If you go based on these CDC guidelines, and they're talking about only 25% of buildings or, or arenas being occupied, well, there's no way on earth that you're going to play in front of more than ten to 20,000 fans anyway. Yeah. So, I, I again, I think it's wishful thinking – if they find a way to pull it off, then, man, the NFL has some legitimate pull. And let's face it here. People can live with watching the NHL, the NBA with no fans. They can live with, with watching a baseball game with no fans. I mean, shit, half those stadiums are empty anyway this time of year in baseball. But I think it's a different animal with football because people invest in football. They invest in it in terms of gambling. They invest in it in terms of fantasy football. Football is the one sport that fans invest in. It's 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 something that that is communal to them. So, uh, I, I think to me, it's a, it's going to be an interesting situation to watch because what is the fan reaction going to be if they can't go to games? Obviously, the TV ratings are going to be through the roof because you're still going to be able to gamble and play fantasy football. But I, I think football is a little different in that regard. It is our national pastime now. I hate to break it to your baseball folks out there, but it is. And I, and I think the reaction to football is going to be a little different if people can't go to games. All right, I'm going to shift gears here now, and I want to talk about uh, Bill Maher's new rules um, monologue that he did on his show Friday night. He talked about Amazon and the fact that Jeff Bezos, the owner of Amazon, could end up being the first trillionaire, the first trillionaire in the world. And, and that struck me because, honestly, Matt, I have never been an Amazon guy. And part of the reason is is because I can't stand Jeff Bezos, and I firmly believe that he is literally and, – and kudos to him, by the way, for coming up with the idea, but he has literally monopolized it. I agree. And, and now we're living in a time of a pandemic where small businesses are being shut killed. down or closing, yep. and small business owners are suffering, and people are unemployed. And Amazon is making money hand over fist. Never mind Walmart and Target. Keep them out of the conversation. Keep the supermarkets out of the conversation. Bezos is poised to become a trillionaire because people are literally sitting at home doing nothing, especially the ones that are still employed and making money. They're sitting at home and all they're doing is scrolling through Amazon and ordering stuff. And this guy is making even more money than he's made. It makes me sick. I can't stand it. It bothers me at times that I actually have to buy something on Amazon because I can't find it anywhere else. I couldn't agree more with Mar. I think it's gluttony at its best. It's capitalist gluttony at its best. What are your thoughts on Mar's monologue and, and Amazon? I thought Mar's monologue was great. He's got so many great monologues and they are just terrific. And I thought this one was outstanding and I thought it was dead on. 
Amazon's hilarious because it's hated by the right because Bezos is known, of course, for his more liberal leaning views, uh, you know, has been public about those on numerous fronts. And the left hates him because they think that Amazon does not pay their fair share in taxes and is just like hoarding, you know, corporate billions of dollars. So it's kind of hysterical. But I overall, look, the idea of Amazon is obviously genius. I mean, my gosh, I mean, the guys made so much freaking money off of it. And you, you can literally buy just about anything. And now in some cases, they've got same day delivery. It's like insane. Um, and so overall, the concept and the, the way it's worked is, is magnificent to me. I agree with you overall. It's pretty ridiculous to me. They're continuing to make trillions, billions of dollars. They're getting away with really not paying their fair. You know, the tax code is just way too in favor and way too helpful to companies like Amazon, to corporations like Amazon, where small businesses are failing. And it really sucks. And I totally agree 100% with the overall sentiment. These, this type of company keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger while everyone else is suffering. Uh, and it kind of sometimes, that's kind of a, uh, uh, an analogy for society as a whole during a depression. Usually the wealthiest people are usually still fine while everyone else, you know, is you know, in their corner eating, you know, ham and cheese for the sixth day in a row. So Spam. They're actually eating in their spam, bill. which is meat and jello. And uh, yeah, so no, yes. overall, I thought it was magnificent. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was dead on. Um, and it just shows how powerful Amazon has become as a company. Yeah, it, it, it and again, and I'm not trying to pretend like I'm some kind of a, an activist here by taking a stand against Bezos and his empire, but it really bothers me. And, and I guess this is the flaw of capitalism. Look, I think when we compare capitalism to communism historically, you could make the argument in theory, and I don't want to sound like a, like a liberal nut job here when I say this, but in many ways, capitalism is the lesser of two evils. And so the way I see it, this is one of the flaws of capitalism in that certain individuals and certain companies could literally monopolize an entire industry. I mean, we saw it at the turn of the century with John Rockefeller in the oil industry. So eventually, I think the government's going to have to step in. They've already stepped in with Bezos, but I think they're going to have to step in even more and try to break up what, what has become a monopoly. Because if they don't, forget about him becoming a trillionaire, we're literally going to be buying everything we have in our lives, with the exception of maybe cars, and eventually Amazon's probably going to sell cars. We're going to have to buy everything through him. And, and it's dangerous. It's a dangerous precedent. And I think the only way we can curb some of this is to not rely so much on companies like Amazon and you made a great point, and I'll end it on this. You made a great point about the tax code. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing how it favors companies like that. They need to pay more. They need to pay their fair share. And I think between people saying, hey, we're not going to be so reliant on online shopping and Amazon and changing the tax code and some government intervention, I think if all of that happens, then maybe Bezos and Amazon can be reined in a little bit and things might change. But I, I think it's grotesque how big Amazon is now. All right, let's 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 have some fun with this thing because in the last few minutes have been nothing but negative. And I want to have some fun with this. Now, a couple of weeks ago, um, it was the, the National Weather Service or whatever you want to call them, um, the National Weather Association, the NWA, they announced that we could have potentially up to 20 hurricanes in 2020 for this hurricane season, which is insane. Uh, as it stands right now, they think we'll probably get hit with about 12 of them. So what me and Feld decided to do this week was we decided 
to name 12 hurricanes. And in case you didn't know, hurricanes are given names and it's alphabetical. Okay, so for example, there's a tropical depression right now off the coast of South Carolina, and its name is Bertha. Okay, so each year, the National Weather Service names tropical storms and hurricanes, and they do it alphabetically. So me and Feld have decided we're going to go with the predicted number of storms, not 20, that's too many. We're going to go with the predicted number of storms, which is 12, and me and Feld are going to name 12 hurricanes alphabetically. We're going to give them our own names. You I ready am to do this? prepared. You are prepared. All right, here we go. So, Forget about tropical storms, by the way. I'm not going there. That's yeah, worst. 35 Let's to 40 quickly... mile per hour winds. Yeah, yeah. That 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 to me is it's a new yeah. Bombogenesis. Get it right. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, exactly. It's all it's all it is. Yeah, Bombogenesis. Right. It, it's a yeah. We we don't do tropical depressions and tropical storms. All right. Let's start with the letter A. A hurricane is coming up the East Coast. Okay. You work for the National Weather Service. What do you know? Hurricane Alicia. Hurricane Alicia. I like it. It it sounds a little sexy. It (laughs) sounds like a sexy hurricane name. Hurricane Alicia. I'm going to go with Hurricane Alvin, a nice old school basic male name. Hurricane Alvin. All right, Felt. Here we go. There's a tropical depression forming over Africa. It's making its way west. It forms into a hurricane. It's coming up the East Coast. You need to give it a name with the letter B. Here comes Hurricane Bertha. (laughs) You just named it with damn it. Damn it. (laughs) Hurricane Bertha. All right. You know what? I'm gonna go NBA here with this one. I'm gonna I'm gonna think outside the box. I'm gonna go with Hurricane Bonzi, as in Bonzi Wells. You remember Bonzi Wells? Nice little player in the league as a starter and as a sixth man. Hurricane there, Bonds. Wow, I like it. There you go. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a little different. All right, Feld, here we go. Tropical depression forming in northern Africa. Makes its way west. It's morphed into a hurricane. Here it comes barreling, barreling up the east coast. You need to name it. You need to use the letter C. Hurricane what Carter. Here it comes. <laughs> hurricane Carter. <laughs> Hurricane Carter. All right. I'm going to go with something different here. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to give it a nice name because I, I don't want, because I really do believe that a lot of the times, aside from the winds and the size of the hurricane, I think the name does tend to scare people too. So I'm going to, I'm going to alleviate some of people's fears by giving it a nice, cute name. Here comes Hurricane Cali. Hurricane Cali, C-A-L-L-I-E. Coming up the coast. All right, Feld, another hurricane's forming. It's been a busy hurricane season already. It's coming up the coast. You need to name it. Use the letter D. What would you Hurricane Darwin. (laughs) Now, why Hurricane Darwin? Is this an intelligence system? Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess the people that properly prepare for the hurricane will survive, and that's the way it's supposed to be. So there you go, Hurricane Darwin. Word is that this hurricane only has about 75 to 80 mile an hour sustained winds. It's not a mega storm. It's kind of, it's it's a small hurricane. It's kind of blah. I'm going to call it Hurricane Doug because I think Doug is a boring ass male name. Hurricane Doug. 
All right, Felt, here we go. Another storm barreling up the East Coast. You need to use the letter E. Hurricane Exum. <laughs> Hurricane Exum. What the hell does that mean? Hurricane Exum. Well, E-X-U-M. I, I believe. I, I think you can. E-X-U-M. Exactly. Like Dante Exum? <laughs> so Hurricane Exum. We'll call it. All right. I have to use the letter E. Another storm that's not as potent as some of the other ones that have come before it. Uh, this one is going to be Hurricane Edith. Here comes Hurricane Edith. Again, 75 to 80 mile an hour winds. Could cause some damage, but not, not a powerhouse storm by any means. All right, Feld, here we go. Another tropical depression forming in northern Africa. It makes its way west. It's going up the east coast. Use the letter F. Name Hur- well, I, I'm going to be generic here. I'm sorry. Hurricane Francis. It seems like the perfect name for a hurricane. See, I, I'm going to go with a whopper here. I think this is a big storm. We're talking about sustained winds between 90 and 100, 105 miles an hour. It's going to pack a punch. I'm going with Hurricane Frank. Here comes Hurricane Frank. Because Frank is a rough, gruff, old, old school name. It's an old name, Hurricane Frank. Here it comes. Another storm barreling up the East Coast, Feld. You need to use the letter G. One of my favorite names to say because it sounds like an 82-year-old woman. Hurricane Gertrude. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) You know, my brother is a spaz. He could be all over the place. I'm going to call it Hurricane George because this is another hurricane that has sustained winds between 90 and 105 miles an hour. Here comes Hurricane George. It's a whirling dervish. It's all over the place. It's coming. Run for your lives. Evacuate. Shelter in place. Do whatever you're going to do. Here comes Hurricane George. All right, Feld. Another one now coming up the East Coast. Right about now, I think we're in the month of August, by the way, in case you're keeping track. Another one coming up the East Coast. You got to use the letter H. What would you name it? Oh, wow. The letter letter H. uh, Again, another. I'm going to go perfectly. Hurricane Harold. Hurricane Harold. So this this isn't probably a powerhouse storm then. You're talking about sustained winds between 80 and 90 miles an hour? Uh, yes. I'm assuming. I mean, Harold's a pretty boring Yes, accident. I know. Okay. So not a doozy. I'm, I'm going to go with that as well. Not a doozy here. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a smaller hurricane, if you will. The eye isn't as big. I always like, by the way, when they talk about the eye, the eye of the storm. The eye isn't that big. It's not that wide. I'm going to go with Hurricane Hannah, a nice, simple female name, Hurricane Hannah. All right, Felt, storm coming up the coast. You've got to use the letter Hurricane, I. Hurricane I. Igor. Hurricane, <laughs> Hurricane Igor. Now, this probably is a is a. It is. It's pretty potent. Uh, we're looking at 90-mile-per-hour winds coming up the coast, uh, millions without power, flash floods everywhere. Sitchwood Harbor is destroyed. Uh, Hurricane Igor run for cover. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you know, I'm going to stick with the Russian theme here. I'm going to go with Hurricane, 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 Hurricane Ivan. Here comes Hurricane Ivan. Sustained winds between 95. Now, all of a sudden, I'm turning into Mel Kiper. Sustained winds between 95 and 110 miles an hour. Moves laterally. Right technique. Also, kick out signs. Play the five technique. <laughs> right. All right, Felt. Here comes another storm. This one's a big one, though. I mean, we're talking about sustained winds between 110 
to 125 miles an hour. It's coming up the East Coast. Use the letter J. Hurricane Jasper. Hurricane Jasper. Okay. Well, I, I don't Jasper? know. Jasper's the type of name that to me is like a solid mix between dramatic and comedic <laughs> relief. And it's just bam. It's just Jasper. It's perfectly, it's easy to say, and it's right on your screen. And there it is. I'm going to go with Hurricane John. I'm going to name go it Julius. after myself because. No, I'm going to go John. I'm going to name it after myself because I'm wide. I'm loud. I'm obnoxious. This hurricane is big. It's got strong, sustained winds, a big eye. It's a lot like me, so I'm going with Hurricane John. Yeah, I know that might seem cheesy. Yeah, you may hate it, but oh well, who cares? I'm naming it after myself. Screw it. It's I, I'm. It's This is my podcast along with Felds. I can do whatever the hell I want. Leave me alone. All right, next, we have another storm coming up the East Coast, Felds. Now we're in September, we'll say. We're getting to the back end of hurricane season. You need to name it you got to use the letter K. Oh, Hurricane name. Kryptonite. It's not a name, but it's an outstanding word. I've, it's like one of my favorite words in the English language. I know it's not exactly a noun, but I'm all set with it. Hurricane Kryptonite. This is a borderline tropical depression hurricane. It's kind of dithering back and forth again. To a New Englander, it's a Nor'easter yeah. with some bombogenesis. But, How but, but to people outside of New England... Yeah, beach erosion. But to people outside of New England, it could pose a threat. But I'm going to give it a nice, mild female name. I'm going to go Hurricane Kate. Okay, Hurricane Kate for the letter K for me. Finally, got it's now we're entering the end of hurricane season. It's October. We've got a storm coming up the East Coast. Use the letter L and name this storm. We just keep going right down the list and... You know the letter L blows, in my opinion. I'm not. I'm not going to lie to you. I think it's a. Te- I just think it's a terrible letter. I don't think it gives anything to the English language. I don't know one name that I appreciate. Hurricane Lucille is on its way. <laughs> Hurricane Lucille. So based on your name, this again probably yeah. a tropical storm, nor'easter. Uh, can play the five technique and get a morphing into. Good in cover two. But, but. I'm going to go with a nice, mild name, 55 to 60 mile an hour winds. There could be some power outages. There could be some beach erosion. Uh, You know, there there could be some tree damage. I'm going to go with Hurricane Lydia. Hurricane Lydia. You have Lucille. I have Lydia. Nice old lady names. That means that they're mild-mannered, nice, not a big storm, won't cause a lot of damage, can play the three technique, can also bump out and play outside linebacker. Anyway, all right. Enough with that. Are you ready for our final thought here? Because I think our listening audience has had enough of this segment and us. Yeah, I I would agree with that. All right, here's our final thought. And remember, our icebreaker is something that's been bothering us and we want to get it off our chest. Our final thought is a topic that I'm just going to throw throw out at you and we both comment on it. So Joe Biden has now entered the name game. He refers to Donald Trump as President Tweedy. So my question to you, Feld, is are the Democrats now stooping to Trump's level politically? Does he really need to call President Tweedy? I thought I don't the know. Democrats I kind of like Sleepy Joe versus President Tweedy. I think it's kind of exciting. Uh, but do I agree? <laughs> yeah, I thought they were, too. Um, and again, this might be just Joe Biden trying to be Mr. Cool. 
And maybe they thought from four years ago when Hillary Clinton tried to take the fake moral high ground, like when we go, when they go low, we go high or something like that. I forget what it was. Like, maybe like that doesn't work, so let's try this. You know, but I think this is unfortunately just the the same comedic bullcrap fake banter that's going on right now. And it's just all, it's all bad. Yeah, I, look, here's the thing. I agree with you. I think Sleepy Joe Biden is funnier. I think China Joe Biden, at one point he was referred to that, is funnier than President Tweedy. Uh, I don't, to me, Joe Biden, look, I'm not surprised Biden is calling him a name. There isn't, when it comes to their personalities, Trump is probably way more of a narcissist. But when it comes to being loose cannons, and getting diarrhea of the mouth, I think it's a pretty level playing field between the two of them. Remember now, Biden has a long history of saying stupid things. It's nothing new. But, but I will agree with you. It amazes me that the Democrats have always prided themselves, or at least in the era of Trump, they have prided themselves on taking the high road, which they haven't, but they tell themselves they have. But I do find it interesting that now he gave him a nickname. Look, the bottom line is this. It just proves what we've said all along. We're screwed. There's, there's no good choice in November. No matter what we do, it's the wrong choice. So, I well, you know what? We're laughing, but I think a lot of people are going to sit this election out because I think they look at these guys, and when your choices are a pre-dementia 78-year-old white guy who's out of touch and a 74-year-old billionaire narcissist jackass, I think a lot of people are going to sit this one out. I hate to say it, particularly young people, because neither one of these guys are going to appeal to them, and they're certainly not going to appeal to them calling each other stupid nicknames like Sleepy and Tweety. Well, that's it for this week's podcast. Of course, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find Matt Feld at MattyFeld612 on Twitter, and you can find me at UFTBJ. You can also find us uh, on Twitter at PullSeat. Feld always loves at PullSeat. At Pulse Seat. For Matt Feld, I'm John Serenitas. Until next week, peace.